Hi, everyone. It's your podcast host, Jim Andrews, here with a reminder that the Ticket Manager Partner Summit is back. We'll be getting together in person on October 17th this year at the Times Center in New York City. This is a free, invitation-only event where hundreds of business leaders across the world's most influential brands in sports, sponsorship, live events, and ticketing gather to make great connections and share valuable information. Approved attendees enjoy exclusive networking events, insightful panels, and exciting celebrity speakers, all for free. Are you interested in attending? Just go to ticketmanager.com for details on how to apply. Welcome to Ticket Manager's All Access Interview Series, engaging leaders from across the sports marketing spectrum to identify and explore critical issues in the business of sports, entertainment, sponsorship, activation, ticketing, hospitality, and even more. I'm your host, Jim Andrews, and joining me on this episode is Sean Kellenberger, Senior Vice President and Head of U.S. Brand, Marketing, and Digital Strategies for RBC Wealth Management. Sean, welcome. It's a real pleasure to have you with us. Thank you, Jim. Very, very excited to be here. Great. Why don't we start off with just uh, having you give an overview of RBC Wealth Management, you know, such as you know, where does it live in, in the Royal Bank of Canada system, who your target market is, who's in the competitive set, how you go to market, all, all that kind of stuff. So we have a good sense of, of, of who you are before we start talking about your, your sponsorships. For sure. So the Royal Bank of Canada largest bank, largest employer in Canada based in Toronto. One of the wealth management divisions, the U.S. wealth management division is based in Minneapolis, Minnesota, you know, through acquisition right around 20 years ago now. And um, and U.S. wealth management business. So I lead marketing for, for the U.S. And we're around 175 branches in 45 states in the U.S. We have a little over 2,100 financial advisors that serve the needs of, of high net worth, ultra high net worth individuals on all aspects of financial planning um, and, and really uh, helping them achieve their financial goals in their lifetime. We're, we're more than a hundred year old company, um, just changed names a number of times. But you know, part of the difference, Canada, in Canada, RBC is a household name. One in three Canadians does business with, with the Royal Bank of Canada. In the US, it's a different story. We're trying to still achieve brand awareness in the US, even though we're the seventh largest wealth manager in the US. And so we're more of a um, emerging challenger brand, uh, but we take that very seriously and, and growing brand awareness. We, we have a fantastic story and we're really just over the last five or six years starting to, to tell it in the US. We can talk about some of the ways that, that you're telling that through through sports here, one of which, of course, I think a lot of our our viewers and listeners probably are aware of that in, in February, uh, just a few months ago, you announced a new multi-year partnership in the U.S. with Major League Soccer. So I, I'd really love to explore that relationship in, in detail because to me, it's 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 got a lot of interesting components to it. So, but again, why don't we start with with, with the backstory? You know, what were the circumstances that RBC Wealth Management was facing that that ultimately led you to to this partnership? 
It's it's a it's a great question. So historically, we when, when we serve the needs of or try to serve the needs of high net worth and ultra high net worth individuals, that's typically been an older, a baby boomer population. But as you probably know, as the baby boomers start to age, that money will transfer out, and and it's extremely important for us to build relationships with a younger population. I've seen studies that say between eighty and ninety trillion dollars are going to change hands in the next thirty years. Ten trillion of that in the next decade, and that money is already transitioning. Now, some of it is going to a surviving spouse or partner; other is going to Gen X. But a large, large portion of that is going to go to the millennial population, and these are people with whom we haven't had a relationship traditionally, um, although we're really trying to build that, number one. And number two, they have different needs and they have, uh, they're very, they're a very different demographic than, than the baby boomer population. Instead of being a largely white male dominated demographic, they are, um, they're multicultural, they are digital natives. Women have a much more of a um, control over the wealth than, than previous generations had. They are multilingual in many cases. And some of the studies that we've, that we've conducted have shown that they're less likely to do business with their current financial advisor, partially because of tools and capabilities. You think about a younger consumer versus an older consumer, those, some of those needs change, but partially because that relationship hasn't been there. So you know, we recognize that. And one of the questions that we kept asking ourselves is how do you build a relationship with that, with a different demographic than we have historically done business with? And soccer was one of the things that we started to talk about. If you look at major league, major league soccer fans, for example, they really meet an interesting demographic for us, one that we have to build a relationship for, but they're also highly educated. They're emerging affluent, you know, they're, they're called within the industry Henry's, right? High, high earning, not rich yet, but they have similar needs. And, and, and when you start to talk about um, this sort of emerging affluent younger population, they still want to do business largely with a financial advisor, some trusted source. Now, it may be different. They may not want to ever walk into a bank branch or a wealth manager branch. They may not want to pick up the phone. They want to, may, may want to use largely digital tools, but they are interested in getting that same advice. So all of those all of those things pointed to MLS being a really good opportunity. So, you know, for the probably the last 18 months or so, I've been having conversations internally as well as with members of, of the MLS about different opportunities. Um, and, and it all came together in February of this year where we signed a deal to become the official wealth manager of Major League Soccer in the U.S. And honestly, we couldn't be more excited about the partnership that we have with them the, the media rights deal that they struck with Apple TV last fall was, was, was I'm not going to lie, was a factor in that decision. The, most, the, the largest brand in the world, plus soccer, which is really, really continuing to take hold in the U.S., made it really attractive for us. And, 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 I, and I got a ton of support within RBC people. Once they started to see the demographics, by and large, I got fantastic support. It, it is so fascinating. And again, uh, baby boomers like like me think about wealth management and sponsorship. And we think about things like golf and tennis and don't go any further than that. So it is uh, it, it's a good reminder that, hey, th- things are changing and that and that wealth transfer is coming. But so that process, though, Sean, about figuring out really what's the best vehicle to reach the, this, this new younger demographic 
somebody who sits in your seat knows there's no shortage of, of partnership opportunities. And, and even if, after you maybe say, okay, we've kind of identified soccer as, as a good place for all the reasons you mentioned, you know, then you've got to get specific on, you know, is it MLS? Is it, is it some other property? How did that decision get made in terms of ultimately saying, yeah, we're going with, with MLS? There were a couple of things. I, I talked a little bit about the demographics, and so that population was really attractive to us. But you're right. There were other vehicles that could have delivered, uh, given us access to the same population. But a couple of things around soccer that really hit home for me. One is their commitment to the communities in which they live and work. They've got a strong philanthropic component to their league, and, and we're, we're partnering with them on a couple of key components, soccer for success and hometown heroes, which, which really won one, allow us to reach people that need need after-school programming or summer programming, and we're partnering with Major League Soccer um, to deliver that. And then Hometown Heroes, you think about the people in the local communities that do such fantastic things, but they're largely unsung hometown heroes. And so we're partnering with them to recognize, recognize people in those communities. So that was a really interesting or important component to us. Another thing was the geographic overlay. If you look at the 26 U.S. clubs, they are without exception, they are in locations where we have branches and continue to try to build and enhance our business. And so the geographic overlay, I mean, it was serendipitous. We overlaid where clubs sit and where we have branches or where we're trying to really build up our business. And it was a fantastic overlay. The third thing, and I'll, I'll, I'll dig into the demographics just a little bit. I talked about younger population. I talk about di- digital natives. But one of the things was the the female fan base was really important. Important to us. We know that the decision makers in many households are, are female and, and our industry needs to do a better job of working and partnering with those, with those women to help, help them make decisions that help with their household and help with things like financial literacy. And that's true of all age groups within those. So I think those three things made it really, really attractive. I'm not going to lie. The fact that the World Cup is coming to the North America in 2026. And if you look back at 1994, what the last time the World Cup was in the US, um, the growth of soccer leading up to and after that was really attractive. You couple that with the growth of soccer, continued growth of soccer around the world, and then add that to particularly the success of the women's national team, but the men's national team too. And, and I would say interest in soccer globally has never been bigger and interest in, in the US has never been greater. And while this is a deal with Major League Soccer and not the men's and women's national team, we think that there's a great overlap between just general interest in soccer and what Major League Soccer is bringing to bear. The MLS continues to grow. They they just announced uh, the addition of another, the 30th franchise. And so we think there's a, there's a great, great opportunity to partner with uh, Major League Soccer on growing not just the game, but but our ability to reach those consumers and help them with their financial planning needs. Yeah, I mean, that that timing with the World Cup is just, I guess, icing on the cake, so to speak. One of the things that comes up when you're doing league-wide deals is, you know, there are certain advantages and and disadvantages. You know, you you certainly talked about that, that very great uh, geographic overlay and and, and hitting in in those key markets. But, you know, some, you could take a look at that and say, well, maybe, you know, should we look at team deals in, in some of the really good markets for us? Because that gives... Sometimes that that the different opportunity, you know, whether it's the belief that well, that's you know the, the fan affinity is really with the teams, not with the league, or you know, maybe you can get some uh, things to really do on the experiential, you know, on, on the ground, live 
kind of kind of stuff. Did did that kind of thing? Obviously, you went with with the league deal, of course. But did that factor into maybe how you ultimately structured the agreement with MLS? It did. First of all, that doesn't mean that that we're not having conversations with individual teams. But the deal that we struck with the league was important, partially because of the access to those 26 different metro, largely metropolitan areas. So part of what we wanted was to make sure that we had hospitality and activation opportunities um, in various clubs at different times. Our business is such that 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 we have large middle-sized branches in all of these metropolitan areas. And we wanted to be able to expose them to soccer in a a large variety of areas. If we had struck deals with five, 10, 15 teams, it simply becomes unaffordable to us at the scale that we wanted. And so we really, really liked the breadth that we got. And I recognize that maybe we don't get the depth with the individual club, but we really, really like where we landed in terms of the ability to access fans. It also is interesting, I think, to note that that the Apple TV deal with MLS gives broadcast rights regardless of where you are. And it's not only it's not only nationally, but it's internationally. And so anyone with a connected device can watch soccer. Our ability then to to to, um, to make sure that we build brand awareness with those audiences was really important to us, given the national exposure of those deals. And then lastly, some of the in-stadium work. So the MLS, MLS with the lead, with the uh, individual clubs is a really interesting relationship where, and these are my words, not MLSs, but it feels sort of like a hub and spoke model where we do get access to individual clubs based on the way that they have league control games versus club controlled games. And so, for example, TV visible field level advertising is something that we get at a, at a, at a, at a large number of games throughout the year, even if we didn't strike individual deals. And so we really liked that component of the deal. The metrics are going to tell us whether we're successful longer term. And so we're continuing to work closely with major league soccer, Apple, and then obviously uh, our own metrics to make sure that we're hitting all the right notes. So far, we really, really like uh, where we landed. That's great, and, and and I'm glad you pointed out that that kind of the, the league-wide deal with with MLS is is can be very different than other leagues, right? Because just because of their their structure, the single entity, a little bit more con- control over some of that uh, stuff that you wouldn't necessarily get uh, elsewhere. So you really are able to uh, to leverage those kinds of things. Let's let's talk a little bit more about about Apple, obviously, because that is very very important. As you mentioned, you were actually the first league wide partnership that was done since the deal with, with Apple TV Plus was, was signed. And again, pluses pluses and minuses. You know, obviously, and that was something that the league factored into their decision to to go in that direction. You know, giving up a little bit of a the, a breadth there in terms of the people reach uh, uh, through uh, through free television and, and and things like that. But again, you've you've touched on it a little bit, but just you know, how important were some of those uh, the pluses? I guess uh, in 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 terms of being able to to partner with Apple. Uh, it, it, how did that all factor into your decision making? Part of it is I wouldn't bet against Apple, right? Their, their <laughs> ability. One of the things that that I believe is that Apple Apple gets into into businesses when they believe that there's a really op, really good opportunity, and through the discussions both with Apple and with MLS, we were we were really convinced that this would be successful long term. Part of it is the commitment of Apple. A ten year a ten year broadcast rights deal isn't isn't a, a isn't a small undertaking, and so that was exciting. And then and then the way that the, the way that they um, structured the package and giving us access to deliver um, not only advertising 
streaming advertising on TV advertising, but also other ways that we could activate. So we do a number of sponsorships if people people that watch the broadcast, either the games that are that are in front of the paywall as well as on um, MLS season pass, um, we get to activate those things, things like power rankings and player of the week. And so we get to do some really interesting sort of, we'll call it bridge programming during the golden hour. Um, we got 30 second spots during the games. And then some other things. And then there are special events too. the MLS All-Star Week. We will play a large role in. And then once we get to the the playoffs and the MLS Cup, we'll play a role in that as well. You know, it's important. You mentioned about free TV. They did strike linear programming deals as well. And so we didn't. So we're not completely void of of um, of free TV, so to speak. And so we were excited about that addition as well. You know, last thing, uh, last thing I'll say about Apple is some of their their custom content, their original content has performed um, unbelievably well. And so I know I know that they have the ability and the desire to continue to drive viewership. And uh, and again, I, I'm pretty bullish on Apple's ability to help us um, deliver. Can I ask? I don't want to cast aspersions on any of our good friends at the broadcast or or, or, or cable networks, but but are there things that that, that I mean, maybe this is uh, things you're already doing or things you're looking at doing, you know, with with a, with a streaming service with Apple that that maybe just couldn't you know really be feasible with uh, with a more traditional broadcaster? Part of it, I think, you know. One of the things that I was conv- my, that my team and I were convinced was sort of the blue sky thinking, right? They wanted to re-envision the broadcast. So they built a state-of-the-art, brand new broadcast studio. They were going to put different and new cameras in, in stadiums to, to try to activate the game. And that seemed really fresh and new. The viewership... The viewership of MLS has never has never been that high. And so I think the ability to really try to kick it off in a new, fresh and exciting way in a way that few companies can not named Apple was really exciting. Um, Apple 360 is another I think it's called Apple 360. Hopefully we can figure that out in post. But the way that they do. You know, the way that they do the, their, it's their highlight show programming, I think is awesome. You get to see, you get to see sort of every highlight, every game, every goal. And if I wanted to go back, so I, you know, I live in Minnesota, so I'm a Minnesota United or Loons um, fan. If I want to go back and watch the show, I can I watch the game. If I don't have time or the ability to watch the entire game, I can watch 20 or 30 minutes and see all of the highlights within within MLS season pass in a way that I think is really unique and I can't with other sports. So I really, really like the way that Apple has put a fresh face on the broadcast partnership. And speaking of fresh faces, since you and I last talked, of course, now we have uh, Daniel Messi coming to to MLS, which I'm sure uh, you are not uh, unexcited about. Let's say <laughs> um, I couldn't be more excited about um, that deal. I was we, I, you know, anyone that follows soccer had heard the rumors over time, but when you look at the numbers um, that were put in front of him for him to choose the MLS, was pretty astounding. The growth of social media of Inter Miami has been off the charts. The ticket sales, both in terms of the volume as well as um, uh, the demand of ticket sales, as well as the cost, um, home and away games is is pretty incredible so far. And 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 while 
I don't know exactly what it's going to mean for RBC Wealth Management in the U.S. I figure um, a rising tide will lift all boats. And so part of our job is to make sure that we continue to expose our brand, what we do, what we stand for to um, that increased audience base. Um, and, and hopefully we can help those people where they where they sit. The other thing when you and I talked earlier that you mentioned, which I thought was interesting, is is the, the category exclusivity component. Obviously, you are in a very competitive field and, and, and industry. And category exclusivity as it relates to both your, your league deal and your agreement w- with Apple. Can you, you talk a little bit about your, your approach to, to that? You know, this has been covered on on previous on previous interviews that you've had. We felt strongly that trying to have category exclusivity, both for MLS, but also really importantly through the broadcast portion of our deal with Apple um, TV was really important. We want to be sort of the financial services provider, the wealth manager that people think of and get to and get to see when they talk about MLS. And we really want to be associated with what we think is a phenomenal sport today and what is only going to grow both in terms of broadcast numbers, but also just in terms of, of awareness. Um, I know when I read about when I read about sports on my phone, online podcasts that I listen to, soccer continues to creep up, up, and we really want to be um, associated with that. And 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 uh, exclusivity was something that was really important to us in that deal. You know, I don't want to ignore your other major U.S. partnership, which is, of course, the, the RBC Heritage uh, PGA Tour event in, in the Hilton Head. And you've also got uh, individual agreements with, with with some of the, the touring pros. And, of course, like like all golf sponsors, you've been in the midst of a lot of change uh, on the tour. And uh, there's even been some change since you and I talked a couple of weeks ago. A rather big announcement. But yeah, just in in general, uh, how is that all shaken out uh, for RBC, and, and and what what are you have looking at uh, in in terms of being uh, in, involved with, uh, with with a tour event, and again with the new tiered structure and and, and all of those kinds of developments. You mentioned it. We have two flagship um, tour events with the RBC Canadian Open and the RBC Heritage Classic, both of which have have been fantastic for our brand, um, for our for our employees, for advisors, and our clients. And so, a couple of things I think that that they've been fantastic. There's their premier hospitality events. So our ability to immerse our clients or prospective clients in these these in these in these branded activities, both of which this year ha- have been absolutely fantastic finishes. They've been well attended. The fields have been off the charts um, good. So they performed really well. The other thing is our ability to give back to those communities. Um, I don't have the stats at my fingertips, but but it is um, it is a significant amount of money that's been given back to the foundations in both of those communities. And that's something that's been really, really important to us. And then the ambassadors. So Team RBC Golfers, that are on our roster right now, really active in the community. They are fantastic with clients when we do player days or other hosted activities. They're approachable. They're great golfers, obviously, men and women. And they're really, really great to be around. They represent our brand extremely well. I won't talk about some of the controversy that's happened um, recently, but suffice it to say that the TV ratings, the attendance at the events, the fields, um, and our ability to deliver in those communities has been, it's been an absolutely fantastic partnership. Um, and I've been really, really fortunate to be around. I don't know when this is going to air, but but this past Sunday was the the finale of the, of the RBC Canadian Open. And the finish was off the charts good, 72-foot putt on the fourth playoff <laughs> hole. 
first Canadian and I can't remember it's over 65 years that's won you know the Canadian Open um, second team RBC golfer in in four events that's won and then go back to the heritage the ratings were off the charts we also had a playoff win and both of them were just were just fantastic events yeah I, I was going to mention those too it, it just in terms of you know we, we sit here and we talk about the the nuts and bolts of the deals and all the things that you control the negotiation <laughs> or category exclusivity and making sure you've got the right bundle of benefits but you know those those kind of intangible things that again you you, you can't bank on them you can't put them in a contract you don't get them at, at every match or every tournament but boy when they happen when something special like like this past Sunday in in Toronto that just has to obviously you know make, make you feel good about uh, about uh, being there and, and being in the right place at the right time so congratulations um uh, not not that you made the putt yourself but hey again uh, you you guys at RBC were 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 right there and, and able to capitalize on it. So the, the fans that were there. So you know, I, I I'm fortunate to be able to have been at both events. Um, and you could the, the enthusiasm, the cheers. I mean, the roars from the crowd. You know, in, in the Canadian Open, it, it more spread out, and you can hear the roars from all different holes at different times. There's a really unique setup on the 14th hole. It's called the rink. It's lined with hockey boards, and so the people bang. Um, bang on the boards. Um, they quiet down politely when the golfers are getting ready to hit. But there are some golfers that you know get the fans riled up, and that banging you can hear all over the place. Certainly on the 18th green, there were no shortage of roars. Similar at, at, at Harbor Town, it's a more intimate setting, but great place to watch all sorts of shots. And and um, yeah, we got we got, we got lucky. But you know, part of being lucky is being in the right place at the right time, making the commitment yeah. to the yeah. events. Um, making sure that we have the right the right people and the right branding elements at those events and and sometimes when those things are all put together serendipity happens just like the signing within the MLS last week so I, I'm feeling pretty good about the deal that was struck four months before that deal was was um, <laughs> absolutely timing is everything well Sean, thank you so much for for taking some time today and and talking us through these partnerships. Wish you nothing but the best with uh, with both of those and and anything else you've, you've got going on. And uh, maybe we'll get to to do this again uh, somewhere down the road. But uh, just want to say a big thank you on on behalf of all the listeners. Yeah, appreciate the support, Jim. All right, and on behalf of Ticket Manager, thank all of you for watching and listening. And please join us again for the next episode in the All Access Interview Series.